unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. How many came into the house with expectation tonight? How many came into the house of the Lord prepared to give him worship, to give him praise, to lift up his holy name? Hallelujah. 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 We serve a mighty God. We've been in revival for a couple days now, and the Lord has prepared us. But we must respond to what we've received. It's in the book of Romans that it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is your reasonable service, to be not conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. How many minds have been renewed in revival this week? In response to that renewing, as the Bible says, we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. We're not worried about what anybody else sees. As, as we've been instructed, some, everyone here has a blemish, a spot, a wrinkle. So if you're worried about what somebody else is going to see, we've got to come just a little bit deeper in our sacrifice and our obedience to the Word of God. As we move into a time of worship tonight, let us keep in mind, as, as the preacher has told me before, what's the issue with a living sacrifice? That it can always crawl off the altar. It's up to you on how much you put into your worship tonight. As we enter into this time of worship, let us go before the Lord in prayer, preparing our minds and hearts for this time of worship and praise. We want to pray for our men of God. Let's pray for our pastor. And pray for the man of God, Evangelist Hurt, uh, Reverend Hurt, as he brings the word tonight. Let us bring our men of God before the Lord uh, as we prepare for this service. Lord, we pray for our pastor right now. We pray for the shepherd of this house, the under-shepherd, Lord God. The one that you called, O oh God, to be, O oh Lord, the man of this house, O oh Lord Jesus. O oh God, the one that sacrifices and gives his all, O oh Lord God. Oh God, with an answer before you, Lord Jesus. Let us, oh Lord God, lift up your name right now on high. Oh God, we pray, oh Lord, that you touch him right now. Anoint his body, oh Lord God. Oh God, with blessings, with healing, oh Lord God. From his head, oh Lord, the crown of his head to his feet, oh Lord Jesus. We ask, oh Lord God, that you bless the words of Brother Hurt. Oh God, begin to anoint him tonight, Lord God. Oh God, a Remo word, a precious word, a right now word for your people, Lord God. That word, oh Lord God, that is living, oh God, that can touch our hearts and turn us around. Oh God, you know what we need tonight. And as we move into a place of worship, let us begin to magnify the Lord together. Who wants to worship the Lord in the house tonight? Let's respond in worship and let's get with the worship team as they lead us in worship. In Jesus' name.
dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and powers, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and the putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins, uncircumcision of your flesh, have they quickened together with him, having given you, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting and ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your spirit, Lord. We pray, God, that you would continue to have your way in this place. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you have done and what you will continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. to me in the way that she could with the limited 
understanding that she had with the scriptures, but she spoke clearly concerning her testimony and what God had done. She made one statement to me. She said, George, she said, I got rebaptized in the name of Jesus Christ. She said, the church that you attend, they don't baptize you that way. They baptized you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. She said, but I was rebaptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And I said, I don't understand. And that's when she began to speak to me concerning the Godhead. And as she began to describe to me the Godhead, she said, George, I want to let you know that Jesus is God. And my perception of God or my perspective on God was based upon the pictures that I saw in the Bible that my grandmother gave me back in 1986 in September or August of 1986 when after spending time on the front row of the Baptist church with my cousin and cutting up all during service while she sung in the choir um, she came down from the choir and she snatched me up <laughs> and she takes me to the other side of the church on the one side where I normally sit in the middle with my aunt uh, she snatches me up and she makes me come and sit by her and my cousin which was my tag along uh, came and sat right alongside me and to be snatched up by dad was one thing but to be snatched up by grandma was something else and if grandma has to snatch you up, you know, you, you're really in trouble. And uh, so what ended up occurring was that grandma snatched me up. As I was sitting there, I'm trying to figure out uh, what life is going to feel like when I get home to her house at the church. <laughs> and my cousin Corey began to whisper in my ear, and uh, he was a little younger than I was. We, we came up like brothers, but he was about a year younger than me, year, year and a half younger than me. And uh, Corey began to talk about how he got baptized, uh, joined the church that uh, we were raised in, you know, about a week or a few weeks prior. So uh, I was trying to figure out how to get out of this thing, so my grandmother, you know, at the end of every service, the preacher would give uh, an altar call, but it wasn't necessarily what I would call an altar call, but he would allow room for people to want to join the church or give their life to Christ. And um, I looked at my grandmother, and my grandmother said, you know, do you want to, uh, I think I, I can't, it's been so long, but I remember my cousin being there, and my grandmother, and I was like, can I go up there? And my grandmother uh, was uh, somewhat shocked when she found out that the Lord, she thought, was dealing with her uh, grandson about coming to the Lord. And the reason why I think I came to the Lord was I didn't want to go home with Grandma. <laughs> 
worked myself into a lot of trouble and I did not want my grandma to snatch me up when I got home. So I came to the Lord and I gave my life, <laughs> I gave my life over to the Lord. And uh, when I came to the altar to give myself my life over to the Lord, my grandma, she was just so, you know, she was just so enamored by it and she was just grateful and praising and blessing God that God was dealing with her grandson. And I uh, went to the church, went to the front, and, uh, and in that church what they did was they would call you up to the front and I said, I want to, uh, I, I think they were singing the song, I Surrender All. And I was surrendering that day. And, uh, and I went to the front and I told the preacher, I said, I want to, I want to join the church. I want to do what my cousin did last week, which my cousin went and he was, you know, that church, they got baptized every two weeks. I mean, the second Sunday of every uh, month, uh, which was not biblical, but it was within their tradition. And uh, I ended up going to the front and when I went to the front, they uh, actually voted because if you were going to become a member of that church, you were voted in. And, uh, and you know, they had a candidate for baptism, that's what they called him. And, uh, you know, they, they were like, we have a potential candidate <laughs> for baptism. And, uh, and what they would do is that they would, um, you'd come to the front and they'd be like, you know, uh, they would have an election, or kind of like a board meeting, kind of like the setup where they would be like, those in favor of this man uh, being baptized and joining the church say aye. And the people would be like, aye. And those that were like, those are the polls. You know, say something. And, you know, somebody got a problem with you, they're going to stand up and be like, no. So it was amazing how uh, elections were able, I don't know if that's how they do it to this day, but I do remember that somewhat how it was done back then when I was a child. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that creep in when you start dealing with tradition anyway. And a lot of things that we laugh at today concerning other people's structures, people will probably be laughing at us tomorrow when we start addressing the things that we do that may not necessarily be Bible. Amen. But nevertheless, um, it was amazing how someone's baptism weighed in the balance of a vote. And, um, and I believe the people that got up, it just couldn't be anyone that could, uh, could second this, and first that, second that. It wasn't everybody that could do that, but it seemed that maybe it might have been people that were trustees or officials or people that were on the official board of the church. And um, I remember um, after that occurred, my grandmother gave me a Bible. When I got home, I was expecting to get a whooping. Uh, but my grandmother didn't give me a whooping. She gave me my first Bible. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it was then I opened up this Bible. She wrote in it. And I saw these pictures. And I just assumed that the old man in the picture was God. And I assumed that the young baby that was in the picture was Jesus, and the woman that was holding the baby, that was Mary. So my perception of who God was was based upon 
the first few pages of the Bible that my grandmother gave me. And it wasn't until uh, the friend of mine from high school, when she began to explain to me who Jesus was, it was at that moment in time that a new thought was introduced to my mind about who Jesus truly was. And uh, the Bible makes the statement that the fullness of the Godhead was in him bodily. The Bible makes the statement that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The book of John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him, and without him was nothing made. And the Bible says that the Word was made flesh, and it dwelt among us. Now we understand that not only is God Word, but also God is Spirit. For the Bible says, They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But what occurs is that uh, the Bible makes the statement and it says, and as you have therefore received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Now the thing is, is that when you begin to ask about Jesus and who Jesus is, Jesus made a statement. He said that I come in my Father's name. And the Bible declares that when Mary uh, received the word from the Lord, it was said that she was going to conceive a child of the Holy Ghost. Now we understand, praise the Lord, that this child that was of the Holy Ghost uh, did not, uh, it, it, this child that was of the Holy Ghost was of the Spirit of God. We understand that when it comes down to God, the Bible says that there is no one with him, no one before him, no one coming after him. There's no one beside him. He is the almighty God. He told the children of Israel uh, in, the, in the Old Testament scripture, the law, the first thing he told them, he said, Hear, O Israel. He said, The Lord your God is one. So the thing is, is back then that there was no teaching that was out there in the Old Testament church where they talked about a triune Godhead. There was no one discussing a trinity. The trinity was not even in the imagination of God's people. Even to this day, if you go to a Jew, a Jew would tell you that there is no trinity. They would tell you that here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Amen. But nevertheless, uh, what we do understand is that though God is one, and we understand that God is spirit, uh, and the Bible declares in the book of Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. There was only one spirit that was moving. And the reason why there was only one spirit that was moving was because there was only one God. You have to understand. Uh, thank you for the hand claps, but just hold up for a minute. Um, we, we thank God for the spirit of God that was moving, but we have to understand that when it comes down to God, and when it comes down, praise the Lord, to his spirit and who he is, we understand that if God is one, that his spirit is one. 
that there's no other one beside him. So therefore, because there's no other one beside him, uh, there's not multiple persons, but we do know that there are multiple person out there are multiple manifestations of God. The only person that we see when it comes down to God is Jesus Christ, for he is the fullness of his person. So therefore, when you see Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the child that was conceived by the Holy Ghost. He is the one that is of the Holy Ghost. And if the, it is, this is the one that is of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is the one that moved on the face of the waters and the one that said, let there be light. And there was light. Then when John chapter 1 says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, then it also means that the Spirit of God is also the Word of God. So when it says that the Word was made flesh, then what happens is, is when the Spirit of God overshadows Mary, then all of a sudden Mary conceives a child that is of the Holy Ghost, a child that is of the Holy Ghost, and that child that was of the Holy Ghost is the Word of God. So when she received that Word, when she received that seed, that child, that seed takes root within her by faith. And when that happens, now that Word is made flesh within her. And over the period of months, that woman carries this child, and then all of a sudden, we now see the one that is of the Holy Ghost. We now see the one uh, that is the creator of all things. Now the thing is, is the one that created all things has now been made flesh. The Bible declares that the word of God was made flesh and it dwelt among us. Now the thing is, is that when you consider that this one that is made flesh that is dwelling among us, we also can now see him uh, to the point where the Bible declares that he is the expressed image of the invisible God. Now, he is the Savior, he is the Deliverer. For the Bible makes the statement that the Lord is our light, is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So we understand that Jesus, praise the Lord, is not only just Savior in our salvation, uh, but the Bible declares that there is no other Savior beside me. He said, I brought redemption with my own arm. So that means that when he says, I brought redemption with my own arm, he didn't bring redemption with somebody else's arm, but he brought redemption with his own power. He brought redemption with his own arm. So if we see Jesus showing up to redeem all mankind, then we can see him as the arm of God. We can see him as the power of God. We can see him as the expressed image of the invisible God. And it's at that point where the Bible makes the statement uh, that because he is the expressed image of the invisible God, he speaks to the disciples and they said, you know, well, well, show us the Father. And he said, have I been so long with you that you asked me, show you the Father? He said, if you have seen me, he said, you have seen the Father. So the thing is, is that God is a spirit. And what he does is he puts his word, which is himself, on the inside of this woman. 
And when he puts himself on the inside of the womb of this woman, that woman then comes, that womb comes into agreement with the seed that has been sowed. And all of a sudden, a child springs forth out of that agreement. And when the child springs forth out of that agreement, then all of a sudden, you now have the only begotten Son of God. Reason why he is considered the begotten Son of God was because he was begotten by a woman. You gotta consider the fact that he came through the womb of a woman. Uh, and because he came through the womb of a woman, he wasn't the only Son of God because Adam was considered a son. But the difference between Adam was that Adam came from the earth and Adam was formed by the dust of the earth. But uh, the second man, Adam, which is Jesus Christ, he came through the womb of the woman. So the thing is, is that he doesn't take something separate from himself and puts it on the inside of the woman, but he takes himself, which is the word of God, and he puts himself on the inside of that woman. And when he puts himself on the inside of that woman, what he rolls himself in, that's not God, but what he rolls himself in is flesh, because the Bible declares that God is spirit. God is not flesh, but God is spirit. So therefore, when he puts himself on the inside of the woman, he rolls himself in flesh. The Bible declares that God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen among angels, preached unto the Gentiles, and was received up into glory. So if Jesus puts, if God puts himself, and he manifests himself in this fleshly body, what he calls that body, he does not call that body God. Why? Because God is spirit. But he calls that body his son. And that son is now the begotten, only begotten son of God. And the reason why he is the only begotten son of God is because that is the only body that he has manifested himself in. He is the, this is the only one that has been conceived that has not known a man, but has only known God. This is the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. So you've got to understand that Jesus came into this world full of grace, and he is full of truth. And that's why the Bible declares that grace and truth came by way of Jesus Christ. Because when he was placed in the womb, he was placed in the womb with a purpose. He did not obtain grace and truth when he came into this world. He was full of grace and truth when he went into the womb of the woman. Why? Because he was conceived for the purpose of bringing deliverance to all mankind. For the Bible declares that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So what happens is we see the Lord uh, uh, putting himself within this womb, and we see him bringing, putting on this flesh, robing this flesh. And when he comes out of this womb, he calls that fleshly man his son. Why? Because he cannot declare that that son is God. He doesn't call him God the son. Praise the Lord, but he is called the Son of God. Why? 
because this is one that comes from God. It is of God. It is not God the Son. Praise the Lord. Because why? Because God is a spirit. But that spirit that was in that Son, praise the Lord, that was God. So the Bible declares that, 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 that because God was the invisible God and God could not be seen, when he came into the world, he is now the express image of the invisible God. That's why he told them, don't make any graven images of me. Why? Because he knew that he had his own image coming. And he didn't want anyone making any graven images. Why? Because he knows that he is getting ready to come down to the volume of the book. And he knows when he comes into the world, he is going to reveal to them his expressed image. You're going to understand that Adam and Eve was made in the image and in the likeness of God. What do you mean they were made in the image and they were made like God, but they were flesh. But Jesus was made in the likeness of simple flesh, but yet he was the expressed image of the invisible God. To the point where at no time did any creation in this earth or above the earth was able to see God at any time. No one was able to see God at any time. But the first time creation is able to behold God in sight was when Jesus enters into creation. To the point where now he is able to reveal the express image of the invisible God. You're going to understand that when Jesus comes into the world, that not only uh, not only uh, were there no images made, praise the Lord, to, to, to reveal God at any time in the earth, but also in the heavens. And the thing was, you would say, well, preacher, there were theophanies, and there were uh, theophanies that were used. Uh, he would transform himself into a pillar of fire and with a, a, a cloud by day and at times where he would also manifest himself as an angel. But the difference between those manifestations was that those manifestations did not have the expressed image of the invisible God. This was not the image that God wanted to be identified as. That's why those clouds that he used by day, they won't be there no more. The, the pillar of fire that he used by night, praise the Lord, he's not using that anymore. And, and, and the angel of the Lord that he would manifest himself as from time to time, he did not use that anymore. But what he intends on using throughout all eternity, even when we die and we go to the other side, when we go into New Jerusalem, what will be used forever? is the express image of the visible God. He is the one that lights up the city. That's why there will not be any need for the sun. There won't be any need for the moon. Why? Because the Son of God, Christ Jesus our Lord, will light up the whole city of Jerusalem. You're going to understand that the Bible declares in the book of John, it says that he was not that light, but he came that John the Baptist was not that light, but he came to bear witness of that light, that light that lighteth every man that enters into the world. We understand, praise the Lord, that Jesus is the light of the world. But can I tell you that when he came into this world, he came with a purpose, he came with an agenda, and that agenda, praise the Lord, was to deliver all men.
sin that was on our life and, and, and the judgment, praise the Lord, that, 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 that came upon us. And that's the whole reason why Lucifer was even able to gain the authority that he has in the earth, that, that he had in the earth. He had no authority, praise the Lord, when he was walking the earth, when Adam and Eve were reigning in the garden and they had not sinned. But the moment that they sinned against God was the moment that the enemy obtained authority in this world. Why? Because the Bible declares that whatever you yield yourself servant to, that's who you serve. Well, the moment that Adam was no longer submitting himself to the word of God, but he submitted himself to the thought of another agenda, he became a servant. So he empowered the enemy to become his master and, and in return, he becomes a servant because he submits himself to the words and the idea of the enemy and rejects submitting himself to the word of the Lord. That's why the Bible lets us know the importance of the word of God. It was when he submitted himself to the enemy that deception begins to rule the world. And that's why the Bible declares you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Why? Because the truth comes to set us free from the words of the liar. The truth has come to set us free from the words of the enemy. And the only way that you're going to be free is if you get a word from God. Is there anybody in this room that's thankful that God's given us a word? Is there anybody in this room that's grateful? Hallelujah. So, so the thing is, is that so, so the thing is, is that the Lord shows up, praise the Lord, and uh, uh, He is the Word of God made flesh. And the thing is, is that He is the Word of God made flesh, and He is now dwelling among us. Now the thing is, is that the Bible lets us know uh, that, that, that sin separated us from God. But the only way that God could come in, praise the Lord, and, 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 and for us to have fellowship with us was that his word would come in and be made flesh. His spirit was not made flesh. The word was. When he spoke, praise the Lord, made flesh, and he put his spirit in the flesh that he made, and that spirit, that he, when he put his spirit in the flesh that he made, he called that body the begotten Son of God. And when he calls his body that, he then turns and he then looks around and he tells those disciples, he said that if you've seen me, he said you have seen the Father. Now the thing is, is that the Father, praise the Lord, is spirit. And, and, and how is it that you're saying that if I've seen you, you've seen the Father, praise the Lord, when the Father is spirit but you're flesh. Well, the thing is, is that he is the express image of the invisible God. And you're going to understand that even though this flesh wasn't God, what was in that flesh, that was God. And can I talk to somebody in this room that the reason why God showed up, praise the Lord, was that he could also change your identity. Why? Because he doesn't want you to identify with the first man, Adam, but he wants you to identify with the second man, Adam. What do you mean? God's desire and his intent, praise the Lord, is to take off of you what the first man, Adam, put on you. Why? Because as long as you are walking 
comes and he nails those ordinances against you, what the authority that the first man, Adam, lost, the second man, Adam, is able, praise the Lord, to return it back. Why? Because once his blood is shed, it now becomes the antidote for the sin that separates man from God and also the sin that separates man from the authority that he was supposed to have with God. The moment that Jesus comes and his blood is shed and he nails the ordinances on the cross, then all of a sudden the authority that the enemy had by default, he loses that authority and now all of a sudden the authority that he has, the Lord spoils principalities and powers. One translation says he disarms all principalities and he disarms all powers and he triumphs Shut down. Why? Because he's not reigning through default. He's reigning. 
down the principality over this area. How? Do you think that the Lord defeated all principalities and powers? And now I'm going to tell you to bring down the very thing that he defeated all? Says, as ye therefore have received Christ, Jesus, the Lord. It says, so walk in him. Not walk in them. Walk in him. Now, the thing is, is that many times apostolics are so focused on the oneness, of, on, on the fact that Jesus is God, that they miss that he's son. They walk and they know the revelation of the oneness of God. And that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. But for some reason or another, we focus so much on trying to fight Trinitarians. Trying to prove that Jesus is the Father, and that Jesus is the Son, and that Jesus is the Holy Ghost, that we deny the Son. Because we say we got the revelation that he's the Father. Well, can I tell you that when you deny the Son, and you want to boast in the revelation of the Father, you're just as much as the Antichrist as those in the Vatican are. Paul made a statement. He said, I stayed in Jerusalem. He said, I stayed in Arabia until the Son was revealed in me. There are many people that have the revelation that the fullness of the Godhead was in Jesus Christ. He says, as you have received 
walk in them. You know, when you're baptized, is there anybody in this room never been baptized? Raise your hand. You've never been baptized? It's time. I'm going to talk to you about baptism. Many of you are probably going to get baptized tonight. When you're baptized, baptism is for the remission, the removal of sin. It is impossible to have fellowship with God the way that he wants you to have it with sin. God wants to, in order for the Lord to have fellowship with mankind, he provides a sacrifice to deal with the sin. Why? Because his wrath must be appeased. He may love you, but at the same time, he's a God of order. So his wrath must be appeased. And it's either going to shed your blood or it's going to shed the blood of his son. But because God is who he is, and because God is love, he gives us the opportunity to have blood applied. The Bible declares that they, when they preached Jesus to them, they said, what should we do, brother? He said, repent. Repent means to die, to turn away. Repentance is a type of death. You know, the gospel is his death, burial, and his resurrection. Well, if you're going to believe the gospel, that's one thing. If you're going to obey the gospel, that's another thing. See, obeying the gospel, you have to die. Just like believing the gospel, you have to believe that he died. So if you believe that he died, then you must die. And if you believe that he was buried, you must be buried. And if you believe that he rose, you must rise. So what do you say, Brother Herb? That means that if you were baptized, if you believe the gospel, then you've got to repent. And repentance is a type of death. You give up all rights. It is impossible to offend somebody that's dead. A dead man is not going to get mad at nobody. A dead man will let you carry him anywhere. A dead man will tell you, a person will tell you before I die, don't you, don't you do that at my funeral and you can do whatever you want at their funeral. Why? Because when they're dead, they can't say nothing. You've got to die. Repentance is a type of death. What do you mean? I completely surrender. I'm not going back. Why? Because I'm dead. A lot of times, we want to repent without dying. We want to say we ain't turning back. But you got to do more than just not turn back. You got to die. Because there are many people that say, well, I'm sorry. You can be sorry and not be dead. Oh, 
send it down to the ground a thousand miles an hour. And you know what? It might have hurt, but he would not have died. And the reason why he would not have died was because he knew no sin. So in order for him to die, what the Bible says is the wages of sin is death. In order for him to die, he has to give up the ghost. He must be willing to lay his own life down. That's why he said, no man take my life. He said, but I lay it down. And he said, in three days, he said, I'll raise it back up. Now how is it that he said he's going to raise it up in three days and he's the son with the spirits that the Bible says that the spirit of God rose him because what was in him was God what was in him was the spirit of God he was the express image of the invisible God what do you mean? he said I'm going to physically lay this body down but in three days by way of my identity by way of my divinity by way of my image Christ. And now I walk in him. 
And as I'm walking in him, what am I doing? I'm walking in his identity. I'm walking in his name. I'm walking in his identity. I'm walking in who he is. What do you mean? To the point where when the enemy sees me, he doesn't see me, he sees Jesus. When the Father sees me, he doesn't see me, but he sees Jesus. Can I talk to somebody in this room? As you put on, as you receive Christ, you must walk in him. And as you walk in him, he will reveal himself in you and through you. What do you mean? Bible says, that the Bible says that Paul said, he said that he stayed in Arabia until Jesus Christ was revealed into him, until the Son was revealed, was revealed in him. You're not going to walk in him. So it's not going to be revealed in, him, in you if you won't walk in him. And in order to walk in him, you've got to be led by him. That means that you've got to be quiet. You've you got to understand that if the word is God, and God's word says, do this. God's word says, repent. God's word says, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. God's word says, receive you the Holy Ghost. God's word says, deny yourself. God's word says, be holy. God's word says, love your neighbor as yourself. God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. If God's word says it, and I'm walking in him, that means I'm walking in what God's word says. I can't say I'm walking, I can't say I'm walking in him and walking contrary to what the word says. For Jesus made a statement, he said, the son of man does nothing of himself, only what he sees the father do. He said, it is not I that do the work. He said, but it is the father that is in me. It is he that does the work. So what do you say, Brother Hurt? That means that if you die out to self, that means that Christ comes alive in you. And a person that, that, that says, Lord, I want to die out to self, when Christ decides to come alive in you, you're not going to try to fight against him and you're not going to try to crucify him afresh. We crucify Jesus afresh when we start sinning willfully. Sitting willfully, what? Against the Holy Ghost. Sitting willfully after you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So, so what do you say, Brother Herb? That means that if I am going to walk in him, I can't use the authority, the privilege that he has given me to walk in him to now tread and, and to trample upon and the, 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 the blood of Christ. To count the blood of the covenant. Why? Because it is through that blood that we've obtained redemption. You don't tremble under that blood. You're covered by that blood. What we're supposed to tread upon is serpents, not the blood of Jesus. So what do you mean that means? That you don't just say, well, I'm just going to put my Holy Ghost down and I'm going to do what I want to do. Or I'm just going to, I know what I know. I know what she said. I know what the words say. But, but I'm just not there yet. I'm just going to give you a piece of my mind. Listen up.
We got to walk in it. How? Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So what do you mean? That means I gotta, if I'm going to be rooted, I've got to be grounded. If I'm going to walk in him, I've got to ground myself. Listen, when I'm grounded myself, I, I can't get caught up in every wind of doctrine and teaching that comes to my ears. Why? I'm grounding myself. When my family says, well, George, I want you to come to the party. Or my friends say, I want you to come to the club. I can't come to the club. Why? I'm grounding myself. When the person says, why don't you just come on over to my house? Let's drink a little bit. Or let's have some sense. trying to do you try to build a, a paper airplane you build nothing more than you might as well just build a paper airplane and throw it. because you're not going to have any stability if you don't root yourself you don't ground yourself so what do you mean that's why i come to bible class that's why i, I apply the preach word of god that's why i'm coming to be taught the word of the lord that's why i spend time in my private devotions that's why i don't just hear the word because I, but i'm going to do the word why because i want to be rooted in this thing why because i know that if i ever get rooted then that seed that god has put in me is going to produce fruit but it is impossible to produce fruit with the seed has not been rooted. So what do you mean? Not only do I need God's word to be rooted in me, but I also need to be rooted in Christ. That means that my direction and my actions has to get more crowded. That, that means, Bible declares, it says that the rest of not against flesh and blood. You guys wrestle against spiritual wickedness. We wrestle against darkness. We wrestle against all these. The Bible makes a statement. There's another scripture that says, Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down high things, thoughts, imaginations, and all these things. You, you gotta understand that if you're ever going to be rooted, you gotta learn to take the things that want to uproot you and cast them down. If you're being rooted, and let's say somebody's got a plant right here, and that plant, Bible declares that we should be planted like a tree, we would be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. But if the adversary shows up and he starts trying to uproot you, you don't give in to that. 
I've got to become one with the foundation that I build up, built up in what? Built up in him, not room. Because you don't have time to build yourself up in this world. You're going to build up anything. You need to build yourself up in him. If I'm going to be anything, it's going to be through him. Abounding therein in what? Abounding in thanksgiving. 
ungrateful. Be unthankful. What do you mean? That's the reason why that the Bible says men won't even endure salvation. You know what? Because when you're not established properly and you're not abounding in thanksgiving, you're going to try to find yourself abounding in something else. There's some people that want to abound in their attitude. There's some people that want to abound in their identity. There's people that want to abound in their ministry. There's some people that want to abound in their anointing. Can I talk to the church? We're not supposed to try to abound in that. If you're going to walk in Christ, you need to abound. Thanksgiving, that's why the Bible says, beware. He is telling you how to conduct yourself. How to walk in him, how to be a staff. He is telling you how to do this. Why? Because the Bible says, beware. So that means if you don't do this, and if you do this, you still you need to beware. So that means that, 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 that if you don't apply what was spoken in the sixth verse and in the second verse. You stand no chance against what's coming in the eighth. But even if you do this in the sixth and the seventh, you're doing this in the sixth and the seventh. Why? Because there's something coming in the eighth. And if you're not established, something's going to happen. It says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit. After the traditions of men, and what else? And after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So what does that mean, brother? That means that, that there are many people who are being spoiled. We talked about how Jesus spoiled principalities and he disarmed them. And that's actually, that same language is in this same chapter. Because before it reveals Christ's spoiling principalities, he actually begins to address you being spoiled, me being spoiled, and all of us being spoiled. And another word for spoiling is to disarm or to overthrow. And the enemy, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So what does the enemy use to spoil? If the Lord spoiled principalities, the Bible says that he learned obedience to the things he suffered. He said the prince of this world has come and he findeth nothing in me. He was able to spoil principalities by his obedience. That's why the Bible, I believe, in the book of Corinthians, it says, having avenged all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What do you mean? You say, Brother Herb, I want to bring down the stronghold. You don't bring down the stronghold because you go to prayer and you call it down. You obey God and you, you obey it now. Your obedience to God brings the stronghold down. Not you speaking to it and commanding it to come down. But the thing is, because we have traditionally done that, it has disarmed us. So now you've got people in the church that's walking around here with strongholds, and you got people trying to fast down strongholds, trying to pray down strongholds, when the scripture tells you how to deal with strongholds. As a matter of fact, let's get that scripture.
Cool. Somebody know where it's at? Second Corinthians what? Second Corinthians. It says, I beseech you. I mean, it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. The stronghold comes down not just because you speak it down. If you have no obedience following your request, that stronghold is going nowhere. If there is no obedience following your speaking, the stronghold is going nowhere. You can perspire, you can talk in tongues, you can you can you can cry, you can shout, you can dance around, you can you can shout till you can't shout no more. You can run around the building seven times. You can command uh, uh, the walls to come down, and it ain't going nowhere. Why? Because the only way that Jesus was able to spoil the principalities and powers is when he said the prince of this world has come and he findeth nothing in me. That means there has to come a point where you surrender to the death. Your obedience, having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What do you mean? The Bible declares that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He said, I will repay. So what do you mean? When you're walking in obedience, the enemy, the Lord will repay the enemy of disobedience. He will wage vengeance. What do you mean? Be still. I will fight for you. When you submit yourself to God and resist the devil, he flees. Why does the enemy flee? Because God is waging war. He is waging vengeance. Against the act of disobedience when you walk in obedience. What do you mean? That means that if I'm submitting myself to God, I am obeying God. And as I'm obeying God, I'm resisting the enemy and the enemy flees. You don't understand that when you submit, submission brings resistance. Submitting to God is resistance to the enemy. But many of you wanted the enemy to leave. Before you can submit. You're saying that you can't submit until he leaves. And the Lord said he can't leave until you submit. Just beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Listen, church, the world, even the church will try to tell you, listen, you know, you're so earthly-minded that you're no heavenly good. You're so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. Whoever came up with that had to be hearing from the devil. And whoever says that stuff has to say that out of ignorance and they're not reading their Bible. If you say that, you need to repent and never say it again. And the reason why is because when somebody says that somebody is so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good, how does that work? So are you saying that 
the one that was more heavenly minded. The Bible says to be carnally minded is death. So, so are you telling me that in order for you to be earthly good, you've got to be carnal? Or you've got to shave off the heavenly mindset? What do you mean, Brother Well, you know, Brother Hurt, you, you go through all of your little riffraff talk about defending it. But the thing is, when you go through all of that, you're not coming to me with any scripture. You're only coming to me with philosophy. And that philosophy is what's disarming the church. The traditions of men, the vain deceit, is what's disarming families. It's what's disarming ministries. Listen, church, we need to get out of the philosophical books that we're reading and get back to the word of God and say, Lord, I want to become all that the Lord said. Except the Lord built the house, they that labor, labor in vain. Can I tell you, God is not building his house outside of his word. If it was the word of God that built this world, he said, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God built the earth and built everything in it by the word of God. It says all things, it says there was without it, there was another made. Can I tell you that God's not making anything in the church outside of the word of God? He don't need you to go to the world to make a preacher. He don't need you to go to the world to make a woman. He doesn't need you to go to the world to the Not with Christ. 
ideologies and things are like that. Listen, I don't care if you do it on your job. I don't care if your mama taught you that. I don't care if your daddy taught you that. I don't care if your preacher taught you that. I don't care if your teacher taught you that. I don't care if they're teaching it in the college. I don't care if they're teaching it on the job. I don't care if they're teaching it in the world. You gotta understand that the word of the Lord speaks one thing. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Hallelujah. 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 Because I can't walk in him. We're not allow people to disarm what he put in me. Philosophy calls. You need to start asking people. When somebody says something, you be like, I understand, but can you show me that in the Bible? Well, I understand what you're saying, but what does the Bible say? Well, what does the scripture say? What does the scripture say about what I'm getting ready to do? What does the scripture say? I don't care they prophesy to you. What does the scripture say about the prophet? I don't care how accurate the word of knowledge is. I want to know how accurate does that word say? Does the word back up what you're prophesying to say? I had a man call me years ago and gave me an accurate word of knowledge. And gave me a prophecy. The word of knowledge was on and the prophecy was off. And I went and left the place that was in the will of God. Because this person had an agenda. Can I talk to somebody in this room? You need to know the spirit of the Lord. You cannot allow yourself to be tossed to and fro. You gotta be rooted. You gotta be of God and I come to the realization of that I have to acknowledge the fact that since that point I was not his sheep he said my sheep hear my voice you say well the, 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 the philosophy of this generation is you know you got to be prophetic 
to hear the voice of God. He, said, he didn't say my prophets only will hear my voice. He said my sheep hear my voice. It doesn't take a prophetic anointing to hear the voice of God. All it takes is being a sheep. All it requires to hear the voice of God is that you hungry to be led by the Spirit of God. People who are led by the Spirit hear His voice. People who refuse to follow the Spirit follow the voice of someone else. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions man after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Why? The Bible says for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. See, apostolics, Pentecostals, love to go to this scripture to defend the Godhead, but you don't understand that Paul wrote this scripture to defend you in Christ. This is not to defend the Godhead. This was to defend you. But the thing is, is when you just like fighting and not fighting the good fight of faith, there's some people that like doctrinal debates because they just like to be able to legally fight something. But won't fight their flesh. Won't crucify. They'll crucify their brother. They'll crucify their sister. They'll crucify somebody in the church. I remember one time I was pastoring. There was a young lady. I had, we, had, we had young people that was coming from the, you know, all these young people coming in. And, and, and you know, I had this sister that we prayed back through and uh, backside of the prayer to back room. And uh, these young people were just brand spanking new. Their parents didn't even come to church. But they were coming in and they were trying to get a hold of God. And the sister came to me, I heard, you know, I think these young people need to learn how to conduct themselves in the house of God. And she got one of the most stank attitudes that I've ever <laughs> Uh, uh, brother, I think we, I think you need to do something, Pastor. Pastor, I think you need to do something because, because I, I just think that 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 that, 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 that they, they just cutting up, making all this noise, and they just need to know how to conduct themselves in the house of God. If they can't conduct themselves, they gotta go. And she had one of the biggest Jezebel spirits I ever encountered. Some of us, there's some people that like to find things to fight about and find issues in other people so they don't ever have to deal with the issues in themselves. Because as long as I surround myself with people who are in a predicament that's a little bit worse than mine, all I gotta do is feel righteous about myself like, man, that's so sad. Okay, I talked to somebody in this room. He's coming back for a church that is without spot, without blemish, and without wrinkle or any such thing. He says, For in him dwelleth. He says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit, after the traditions of man, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness 
of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him. What do you mean? The, the, the thing is, is that when people are trying to give you philosophy, it's because they're convincing you that you're not, that there's no completion in Christ. You've got to go to the world in order to learn how to live. But my completion is not that you can't complete me. It takes Christ to do that. Because of her, your wife can't even complete you. Your husband can't even complete you. Why? Because if you're dying, you're incomplete. But it takes Christ. We are complete in Jesus Christ. We're not competing in the mob. We're not competing in the system. We're not competing in the church. The church does not complete you. Christ does. How does Christ complete us? Because the Bible says, Trinitarians. And we're trying to figure out why we're incomplete. But when we recognize that in him dwelt the fullness of the God here bodily, that I don't need anyone else but Jesus. Because the one that created everything was in him. Christ did not dwell in the Godhead. But the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. Not a third of the Godhead. Not two-thirds of the Godhead. But the fullness. What do you mean? He, he, that what was in him was the fullness of the Godhead. They dwelt within him bodily. And the thing is... It says, it says that you are complete in him. You're complete in who? The one which is the head of all principalities and powers. So that means if I'm walking in him, if you're walking in him, you're rooted in him, you are established in him, and you are abounding in him, and you're not letting any man spoil you, disarm you. Why do they try to disarm you? Because they understand that he's already overthrown all principalities and powers, and because he's overthrown it, he's now the head of them. He is the head of all principalities and powers, and they want to disarm you. And the enemy uses philosophy and vain deceit to disarm God's people. This is the reason why we need to start standing up and start saying, all right, is there Bible what does the scripture say? I don't care what the elders say. What does the scripture say? What does the Bible say? Why? Because the thing is, is that if we don't receive a love for this truth, the next thing coming is delusion. It is easier to be delusional when you've been disarmed. What do you say, Brother Herb? How we mean disarm? Well, the Bible declares that the word is the sword of the spirit. That the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Have your loins girded about with truth. It says, you're completing him, which is the head of principalities and power. So therefore, all that fear you've got, you should have confidence. 
That's why the Bible tells the church to come out from among the world. But you know what? We're bringing the world into the church to tell us how to live in the church. We're going to the world to figure out how to become, how to uh, strengthen our retention rate. We're going to the world to try to figure out how to build our ministries. We're going to the world to try to figure out how to build our brands. We're going to the world to try to figure out how to raise our kids. We're going to the world about how to be better husbands, about how to be better wives, and how to be uh, better mothers, and how to be better fathers. We're going to the world for that. And if we're not careful, we'll only use Christ for a third of who he actually is, and for a third of what he's come for. If we're not careful, we'll only use Christ just to get to heaven, but not to live. Somebody started laughing, they were like, I just felt something like the devil, like, I believe in us. <laughs> yeah, right. You just take your time, brother. Don't lie. By faith. Right. Get ready to get out of here. This isn't. The, one, the very one that is the head of all principality and power. It says, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and the putting off of the body of sins and of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So he's now letting you know that he's the head of all principalities and power, and he's making you aware of the covenant. So not only are you rooted and grounded in him, but you're rooted and grounded in him because of the covenant that he's made. God will not break his covenant. And the thing is, it says, buried with him in baptism, wherein ye, wherein also you are risen with him through faith of the operation of God, who raised, who hath raised him from the dead was the operation of God. God operates by his spirit. God's going to do something. He's going to do it by way of the spirit of God. And God is like, the Bible says, we are buried with him in baptism. What do you mean? This is not, you know, somebody's like, well, baptism is an outward sign of an inward grace. No, it's way more than that. It ain't even that. You used to have a devil. Grace and truth was in Christ, not in you. It has nothing to do with an outward sign of an inward grace. It has everything to do with putting on Christ, being buried with Christ. It has everything to do with the remission of sins. It has everything to do about being buried with Christ, putting on Christ. That's what it has to do with. And there's, there's arming that comes with that. But when you walk in the rudiments of this world and the philosophy of man, it makes you unaware of what God has armed you with. 
I believe tonight God has opened the people's eyes and understandings and hearts. Where people are going to be defensive when it comes down to truth. You're going to be contenders of the faith. You're going to contend what for the faith. The Bible says, buried with him in baptism wherein you're risen with him through faith, through the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And ye being in you being dead in your sins and this uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you of all trespasses. What do you mean there's an awareness? See, when you're walking in thanksgiving, there's that constant awareness. But when you're not abounding, listen, church, we are abounding in offense more than we are abounding in thanksgiving in this hour. The church is more known for its offense than for its thanksgiving. And this is the hour. And I've come to tell you that there are people that are going to hell from the church, but we don't have to do that. We, we have a responsibility. It's not the pastor's responsibility to save us. It is our responsibility to save ourselves. It is nobody else's responsibility to save us. I talked to a preacher the other day. I told him, I said, brother, I said, he, he was frustrated. He said, brother, I'm trying to make these people stick. I said, brother, it's not your job to make people stick. Right now, we're trying to do the job of what people are supposed to do with their own hearts. We're coming up with all type of things in the church, all type of uh, 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 administrative positions and what have you in the church so that we can hold people, keep people and all that stuff. But it's, I'm not saying, you know, that there's no reason, there's no purpose for having things in place to, 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 to you know, follow up with people. But what I am saying is that we should be so authentic that, I mean, you don't have to follow up with your son. I don't have to follow up with, you do, we, we need to do wife follow-up this weekend. We got to do, I mean, you got three-year-olds at home, you don't have to do, I got to do children's follow-up. It's Tuesday, I got to do my children's follow-up. No. You don't have to do, you follow up on what you don't really love. But when you love it, you don't have to follow up. And the thing is, is that we want people following up with us, but we don't want to follow up with other people. What do you mean, Brother Hurt? When was the last time you invited somebody to your house just because you loved them? And they couldn't do anything for you. When was the last time you truly just loved a neighbor? Truly loved the neighbor. You know, I went to Lodge Terry's funeral. I mean, that dude was liked by everybody. And I mean, I mean, he had, he had police officers and stuff at his funeral, and public officials and stuff at his funeral. I'm like, man. <laughs> Think about me when I die. Like, <laughs> you found him. <laughs> Speeding up and down 65. We're gonna try to get you. Ain't gonna be speeding no more. You know? 
you know. But everybody had something good to say about it. Everybody, nobody had to wonder if he loved them. I tell you, that's probably one of the most impactful funerals I've ever attended. That is like the funeral, that, that's, there was so much in that funeral that if, if it didn't do anything, it, 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 it made me want to live in a way that when I die, if if people can't do that at my funeral, then just go just go throw my body in the Mississippi. The thing is, is this is that if we brought your children in here and you die, that your children would be like my, my daddy, he, he loved me. My mama, she loved me. My grandparents, they, they, they loved me. Thing is, is that when somebody loves you, they don't have to wonder. If I ask your children, does your mom love you? They'd be like, oh yeah. If you started asking people, name 10 people in your life that love you. And you really, they're not, they're not going to just bypass you. You're going to be at the top of the list. The thing is, is that if we were to bring our neighbors in to a room, it was like name 10 people that are closest to you that love you. And you live right next door to them. Would that neighbor mention your name? Or would they mention people thousands of miles away from you, but never come to you and say your name? If our love is not reaching our neighbor, then I doubt our love is actually reaching God. If your neighbor doesn't even know you love them, but there's other people that know that you love them, because your love thinks not on the things of self, but the things of others, you love your neighbor as yourself. If you, that, 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 that means there's some people like, Brother Hurt, you can't love nobody until you love yourself. That's a lie. That didn't come from the word that came from hell. Amen. The Bible says in the last days that men should be lovers of self. Self-love. Self-love is perversion. Love thinks not on the things of self, but on the things of others. So you say, Brother Hurt, but because we give in to so much philosophy, it's dishonest. And every time philosophy comes with a cost, they will always end up disarming you and you losing power and you losing authority. Bible says this. It says, blotting, it says, and ye being dead in your sins, uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you of all trespasses, blotting out the handwritings of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. Took it out of the way and 
nailed it to the cross. God says, this thing that's against you, I will remove this. I'm not going to nail it to you. this was in the way the enemy was in control as long as these ordinances were in the way the enemy ruled with an iron fist as long as these ordinances was in the way the enemy had all power but the moment the second man Adam took these offenses that were against you that were in the way and put them out of the way At that time, it says, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. And what do you mean? He disarmed them. And then he led them through the city in open shame. What do you mean, Brother Hurt? I'm saying that your enemy is defeated. But if you're going to walk in victory, you're going to walk in faith. You're going to walk by faith. The Bible says the just shall live by her faith. If we're going to live by faith, we're going to walk by faith and not by sight. We have to eliminate this philosophical approach towards relationship with God and church. has to be founded and governed by what is written. To lift your hands towards it. Some places to say, Brother Hurt, what we need to do is we need to have more stuff. 
We got to get some more stuff for the people. Why? Because as long as the people are busy, they're living for God. I found that just because you're not going back to Egypt doesn't mean that you are walking with the Lord because you could be successful in never going back to Egypt and still never follow the Spirit to go to the promise. The cloud, is the fire is what got them out of Egypt. It was the rejection of the word that kept them in the wilderness from the promise. Some of us are willing to follow the tangible presence of God. But we faint in receiving the word of God. And what kept them from going over into Egypt to the will, to the promise, was when the Lord told them to go spy out the land. And they rejected the word of the Lord. And they began to walk by what they see. You understand that the moment you start rejecting the word of the Lord, you're not even going to let the spirit lead you. So what am I saying? You've got to make a decision. You can't, you can't, can't just be the person that says, all right, well, you know, Brother Hurt, I don't, I don't like what's going on in my life. Things are painful. Things are hard. Listen, I've seen it that when we start getting our act together in certain areas, there's some things that God's just going to move. And then there's some things that God is just not going to move. There's some things that no matter how much you pray, he is not going to turn that. But are you walking with him because you love him? Or are you walking with him because you love yourself and you're trying to get a hold of him so he can fix the things that you want fixed? Why? Because you love me, not love him. To lift your hands, talk to the Lord. Somebody's got to talk to him tonight. Come on, talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Lord, what do you, what do you want, Lord? What do you, what do you desire, Lord? Not my will, but your will. says that in the book of Daniel says that they that understand among the people will instruct many. Come on, in the name of Jesus, come on, God has given you understanding concerning these times. He told them to seal up the book till a particular time and then when that time comes, he said knowledge will increase. Come on, God is, come on, God is giving you knowledge. God is giving you wisdom. God is giving you revelation. It is extremely significant for this time right now. Come on, this is not some sermon that I wrote up. This is not something that came off sermon.com. Come on, but this is a word that's coming from the Lord directly to this church for this time and for this generation. Come on. And, and God says, I want you to do something with it. Come on, you cannot take the traditional approach and say, man, that was a great sermon. Come on. Tonight in the name of Jesus, we have to get rid of 
that thing that is disarming us. Come on. Because when you're disarmed in your approach of hearing the word of God, then nothing gets planted in your field. Come on. Some of us can't get the seed planted in our soil because philosophy and vain deceit and tradition has disarmed us. Come on. Come on. But God said, I want to arm you again. Come on. He wants to arm us again. Come on. In the name of Jesus. But we got to determine either we're going to walk by the light of the word or we're going to walk after the philosophy and the traditions and after the rudiment of men of the world and the traditions of men. But we can't do both. Come on. In the name of Jesus. There's some people in this room this day. You're like, God, whatever you want to do, Lord. Lord, that's what I want to do. Lord, I want to walk in your will. Come on, Lord, I want to walk in your will. I want to walk in your spirit, Lord. Whatever you desire, Lord, that's what I want. Create in me a clean heart. Come on, renew a right spirit in me. Come on, church, your pastor, his wife in the ministry, they cannot do it all. You have an obligation. Come on. Come on. If there are people that are going to go to hell because they would not take responsibility for going to heaven. They would not take responsibility for denying themselves. They would not take responsibility for saving themselves. Come on. You can't live like the devil all week long and expect the preacher to try to save you every single week. Come on. You can't expect this ministry to keep trying to save you every month, save you every week, save you every year. Come on. Sooner or later, you've got to save yourself. Come on, sooner or later. I'm not saying that there's not going to be times where you're not going to go in conflict, where there's not going to be battles. We're going to have our battles. We're going to have our wars. Come on, but we should not be throwing ourselves at the enemy. We should be saving ourselves daily. Paul said, I die daily. Why? Because David, Paul wanted to save himself. Come on, in the name Jesus. When, 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 when a person saves himself, they don't have to wait for somebody to call them to an altar. Praise the Lord. They'll come. They don't need somebody. Praise the Lord to tell them to repent and give that thing up. Come on. When you try to save yourself, you'll give it up. You'll do whatever you got to take. You'll, you'll start asking questions. Come on. You'll, you'll go to the pastor and say, Pastor, uh, there, there's some things that are going on with me that are not right. I want to be right. I want to be pure. I want to be holy. Shifting some things. Come on. Come on. If you're watching on the 
you need to meditate on the fact that God has already defeated this thing. You need to meditate on it until the reality of the enemy's defeat is bigger than the fear of a defeat in your life. You want to magnify what God has done and not magnify the things that are going on currently in your life. A brother in the back with the red shirt, the red and gray shirt, is, who's the woman next to you? That's your wife. Can both of you come to the front? church has been under attack. And um, there's some things that will fight, but your way of fighting is going to be completely different. If I'm going to fight, at least I want to win. And even though you may not want to engage in conflict, you don't want the conflict, you don't want the war. A lot of times it's necessary. But the thing is God wants you to be a skillful fighter. And the way you become skillful is when you become sensitive to the voice of God, to the will of the Lord, to the word of the Lord. My brother and my sister, um, disappointed because what you guys were praying for and what you guys were believing God to do did not turn the way that you were wanting it. Now deep on the inside you kind of knew that things would turn the way that it did but there was still a hope on the inside that God would do the complete opposite you have to know and learn that when God speaks a thing to you, regardless of if that is what you want to hear about, you do not ignore what God has spoken to keep pushing what you want to hear. When we do that, we only in the end end up with disappointment and we will end up with fear. But if we learn to do it out of submission to God in the beginning stage, then there may be a piece of level of hurt that may be there, but there will be grace and there will be direction that God gives with the grace. And then when the thing comes to pass, there will be strength and there will be hope because you recognize that God told you, you believe God, you submitted yourself to God, and therefore when things end up unfolding the way that it does, it may hurt, but you have a confidence. And this night, I've come to tell you that a lot of what you're dealing with right now and the way that you're taking it 
is because of how you handled the last situation. But I've come to tell you this night that the Lord says that he is your direction and uh, that you have to yield yourself wholly to the word of the Lord. My sister, you cannot live in graves that are not yours. And you can't live in the graveyard before your time. No matter how much you want that thing back, it's never coming. But the Lord says, I want you to live in expectation on his return and his coming. And this thing is this, is that there have been reports that have been given to you. And uh, as soon as you came up here, it was like I saw some infirmities falling. I've come to tell you this night that the Lord is your deliverer. But what great infirmity that has to fall is to fear, doubt, unbelief. I've come to tell you that God is greater. There is no sickness that has ever come against you, church, that stripes hasn't already healed. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. We have to believe. When it comes down to letting no man spoil you through vain philosophy and deceit, it is not error. It is not inappropriate to believe the word of the Lord above the report of what a doctor has spoken. Why? Because the doctor can never complete you. But you are complete in Christ. Why? Because the fullness of the Godhead was in him. So everything that you need is in Christ. Which is to change to my brother.
body, it could be in your, your foot, your breast, it doesn't matter. If you've got something, tumor, cyst, lung, growth, cancer, I want you to come. I want you to stand right over here.
that are in your mind and the things that you worry about is making you sick. Um, I'm not a doctor. Only thing I can just tell you is what I see. Is that you're making yourself full of infirmities due to the things that you worry about and you're overly concerned about. And to understand that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. God wants you to have a sound mind just as much as he wants you to be powerful and he wants you to have a sound mind just as much as he wants you to have love. And uh, that's why he gave it to you, is that you would walk in that. The thing is, is that you have to let God be true. The enemy is talking you out of stuff only because when truth is spoken, you receive it for the moment. And then when things are not functioning the way you want them to function, if the sensation or the feeling that you felt is gone, even though God has said what he said, it's only like you only keep what the Lord tells you when the feeling is still around. And when the feeling is gone, then what happens is the word that he has given you is gone. I want you to ask God to deliver you from sensationalizing everything he says and does. Because this is going to be very difficult for you to walk in faith when you sensationalize his voice, when you sensationalize what he does. I've come to tell you that he has desired to give you peace. Now, you said that you had cancer. Probably besides, I don't know what that is, but it sounds bad. So, uh, whatever it is, okay, so you're in remission. And, uh, and so you've got that going on as well. And I've come to tell you this day, just stretch your hands. somebody's going to beat you again. Um, you're not there. But you've become, you've been so, you're so used to dealing with so many years of dysfunction and abuse that you have begun to wear that thing to the point where it's like, I, this is, that's like your identity. And even though you don't want that, you don't know how to live without that. And even when you're not in that, your, your heart and your emotions and your mind and things you abide in your spirit makes you live in this place of confusion and despair. The Lord told me to tell you, he said, I want you to let what I speak be true. That means whatever comes out of his mouth, whatever comes out of his word, let that be true. If it doesn't come from the word of God, and God's word is not supporting you, you don't receive it. You sit back and you just wait on God. Also, you have to be consistent. You cannot clam up and disconnect when things start happening. You can't go MIA. You have to be faithful. You have to be consistent. If you'll start doing that, then you'll start seeing things that have lived for a long time come down. There's certain things that are living for a long time, but they still haven't come down. And you begin to ask God, Lord, am I being consistent? What am I doing? Sometimes I'm not saying that we can't, these things can't stick around and we still be faithful. But there's some things that are sticking around because we have kept it around. 
Just stretch your hands towards the sister. Father, in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the fear of death. accidentally yield themselves to some form of witchcraft. It is usually when they are constantly speaking out of frustration. They do things out of frustration. They speak out of frustration. And that's when we do and say some of the most destructive things towards each other, towards family, towards friends, towards ourselves. And the thing is, is that the enemy, uh, you understand that the authority, that the you know, the enemy is anointed. Uh, he's still anointed. He's anointed. He's so anointed to the point where that Michael the Archangel would not even bring a railing accusation against the same the Lord rebuking. Uh, he is using his anointing for the wrong reason. And the thing is, is that sometimes even in the church, the enemy will use the anointing that God has given you reason and uh, you want to use your voice um, I could go into a whole lot about you know God's people and God's covenant and there was a sister last night that was talking about uh, 
how she was in sin, but there were certain things that God protected her from, and that she was totally in sin, but because of the covenant, God stayed true to his covenant. And um, have you ever sat back and asked yourself, why is it that, you know, some of the, like when you start looking at government, and when you start looking in Hollywood and the music industry, you'll notice that a lot of the key, key players in the I'm just going to be straight up. Uh, I am not a, uh, what do they call it? People that hate Jewish people. Uh, Anti-Semite, yeah. I'm definitely not that because I'm a Jew of the spirit. Uh, but the thing is, have you ever noticed that a lot of the key people that are the corruptors behind the scene are Jewish? Are the key people that are in Hollywood that, 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 that people that actually introduce all the spiritual type stuff but like where are they getting this stuff from how they know about making sacrifices and all that stuff a lot of them are Jewish people alright and they climb to high heights and high places and the reason why they would and, and they do that and the Lord remains true to his covenant and even though the Lord remains true to his covenant doesn't necessarily mean that we also remain true to ours and, uh, but the enemy can take the covenant agreement that God has made with you and try to use you to use it for something else. The Lord made Lucifer. And Lucifer takes everything that God used and given him and twisted it. You follow me? And now he's using it for something. He has employed it to serve some other agenda. So because of that, these people, they, they're, 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 they're doing a lot of dark stuff. And uh, they, they, they've attained great power. Why? Because the enemy loves to get a hold of people who have covenant agreements with God. Why? Because a person that is in covenant, that has a covenant with Christ, can do far more damage than somebody that has no covenant. And he is trying to find a way to pervert the people who are of the covenant. You follow me? And if he was able to do that with those Jews that are in the flesh, how much more does he do that with people that are in the spirit? So we want to be people of God that we use, we, you know, we submit ourselves to God. That's why you tell people, you know, when God gives you a talent, when God gives you an anointing, you know, I tell my son, he's a musician, I'm like, you know, you're not going to use that to play in the world. You're not going to be making beats for people that want to play rap and all. Uh, you're going to use this for the glory of the Lord. Amen. Why? Because when we use what God has given us for the glory of the world, then what happened is we are taking on the same mentality of spirit that Lucifer did. When he took his anointing instead of using it to bring glory to God, he then turns it to try to bring glory to himself. So what I'm saying is tonight, when it comes down to the words that you speak out of your mouth, you want to speak as the spirit of God gives you the liberty Spirit. Let your words be seasoned with salt. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. Uh, you want to make sure that your words are fruitful, that are godly. Um, and in doing that, you're going to see God do more. But if you're speaking conflicting things, then you don't want to be cursing the very one that God is blessing. Amen? Amen. 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 lift your hand. Was there somebody else?
Put your hands together and put your hands up to the Lord. If you are ready to enter into covenant with Christ, you've never been baptized in water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Or you were never baptized, or you were sprinkled as a child, or you were sprinkled, you were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, or you don't know how you were baptized. But you want to enter into this covenant. You're ready to die out to self. You're ready to let the Holy Ghost empower you to live as a new creature. If you do, we've got water, we've got clothes. <coughs> We will baptize you tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. If that is you, and you're ready to come walk with God, I want you to stand in your feet right now. I want you to come to this altar. You want to get your sins washed away. You want to get that? Come to the Come on, let's thank the Lord. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, or are you baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? If you do not know, it would be prideful and haughty to make the assumption that it was done right when you're not even for sure if it was done wrong. If you're not for sure if it was done wrong, but you want to know if it was done wrong or right, I want you to raise your hand. sure if I was baptized right or wrong. If you don't know and you want to know, raise your hand. All right. Let's thank the Lord for the souls that have been saved. similar to that. You know, children of Israel had always had a problem with mixing uh, and um, mixing with other nations. And uh, they, they always were infatuated with wanting what the other nations had. Even when you go back to uh, Saul, uh, they wanted a king that was just like the other nations. 
And I mean, all the all the nations respected the king that they had. When you look at uh, when they came out of the wilderness and they went into Jericho, went into Jericho and took all the land, the woman came and said, our hearts melted, you know, the moment we found out you were king. They said, our, our people are still talking about the deliverance that your God did uh, and how he destroyed the Egyptians and the army, Pharaoh's army. And they were, the Bible says, the word says, their hearts fainted. So the thing was, or melted. So the thing is, is that even though the other nations had a fear for their God, his own people didn't. And the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when the children of Israel lost their fear of God, then they began to covet what other nations had. So um, in that, the enemy, who is the God of the world, is able to give. He's not the God of the people, but he's the God of the world. And because, you know, remember when Jesus was in uh, the garden? And remember when, uh, while he was in that garden, uh, Satan took him to the high place and said, hey, you know, you bow down to worship me. I'll give you the kingdom. Um, he could give kingdoms. Why? Because he was the God of the world. So that being said, um, you know, people, you know, the enemy entices people with things, and when they have no value, when they lose their appreciation for what they've got, then it makes it easier to value everything else. I mean, Satan was able to get them to talk them out of the tree of life for this random tree that was in the middle of the garden. So, you know, when you're, you get your flesh involved, your flesh will get you to walk away from anything. Amen. Yes. Let's give Satan hates it, but heaven rejoices with one sinner repents. Would you like baptize us? Go ahead. Thank 
so you ask you to actually put, ask the question like, is it possible for me to be with is it possible for you to be without a spot or wrinkle right now? Right. Okay. Because of your faith in Christ. Yes. All right. The thing that's a good question. I believe that a person reaches perfection when they're dead. Amen. You have to endure it to the end. You have to, you have to not, not just endure it to the end and existing to the end is not the same. Enduring to the end requires cooperation, you know, focus, diligence. Um, spot, blemish, wrinkle. Uh, the Bible says that uh, talks about you know the coming of the Lord. It says, he that hath this hope doth purify himself, even as he is pure. So purification is not something that just happens, you know, one time, but it happens daily. But it is not something that happens because you just exist. The Bible says, he that hath this hope doth purify himself, even as he is pure. So therefore the purification, there's a responsibility that I have to my own purification. And the thing is, is that I can't say, like right now, are you like Brother Hurt? Are you spotless? No. You have blemishes? Uh, yes. You have wrinkles? Yes. How do you know I'm still alive? See, his mercies are made new every day. God gives you mercy, not in vain. If he gives you mercy, it's because you need it. Mercy is to keep you, it, it puts away something that you actually deserve. So if he has given me new mercy every day, it's because I need it because I'm not ready. Because when he's ready, time is up. But just because time is up doesn't mean that we were ready. And only those that will, only those who die in the faith are ready. So that being said, uh, we can't just live or just exist and assume that because we exist, we're walking, we're living in the faith. Um, you can exist and not endure. Uh, it's not exist to the end, it's endure to the end. A person can exist in a race, but not endure it, and not finish the race. I watched a guy the other day on, on YouTube. He had a heart attack right before the finish line. He had to keep running. And you know, he ended up crossing the finish line. Someone helped him, but he endured. But if he would have died at the 300 meter mark, when he's running the 400 meter race, he might have ran the race all the way up until the time of race If he doesn't cross that finish line, he didn't win. He did not endure it. So just because he existed in the race doesn't mean he endured it. So that being said, um, we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. I'm not saying walking around here with the spirit of fear, but we need to prioritize and understand that, you know, um, the Bible says that knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade them. So therefore, when we understand what is ahead of us, and we also understand that the Bible says, few there be that find it, 
and yet church is huge. Pentecost is real big. And he said, I pour out my spirit upon all flesh. But even after that, he still says, few there be that find it. No one's going to just stumble across that. If you see anyone on the other side, it's because they prioritize. Now, there will be some people that made it, made it in at the last minute. But those that have been in this thing for whatever, it's going to require your focus. It's going to require diligence and dying out. So, amen. Let's give God a praise. I'm going to leave you with this scripture, though. The Bible says in the book of Jude, it says, Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling, able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. So that means that God is able to present you before himself. You just got to walk in faith. Amen. Amen. This is Outside services, uh, and uh, they started really coming to our outside services. And her and Brother Matthew got involved uh, very strongly. And then God's just really been moving in their life. Interesting thing is where we're from and where she's from is uh, is, is right there, uh, 20 miles from each other, uh, the neighboring town. And that was kind of uh, different when she came here, but. It was kind of a really neat house to see. Just see how God works and uh, brings uh, a preacher from up there and a child of God from up there and, and unites uh, us together. And Brother Whitmire, he's serving overseas right now. And uh, keep him in prayer. He's asleep, so we're not going to call and FaceTime and wake him up. But uh, it's a different time zone there. And, and he's got a job to do. Uh, with that, uh, we're, we're very excited and um, these, these wives that are here, they've got their children, and yet they chose to come to church this entire time. And, and that is faith. That is faith. They, they could have been excused to have stayed home with the kids, but they came anyways, and look what the Lord is doing. Amen. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for our sins. God, help us to turn around. Help us to live for you. Help us to die in you. 
in the name of Jesus. Help me to die in you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, we love you, we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Sister Whitney, upon the honest confession of your faith, obedience to the word of the Lord, you've repented of your sins. I now baptize you in the greatest name, the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. Now, uh, Brother Hurt has been with us 
uh, one time before, and then he's been with us Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And uh, I want to apologize to you. I keep wanting to call you, and I have to think about it. But I keep wanting, we had an evangelist for over 15 years that preached here. Every year he came through, and he was just the evangelist for our church. And I keep wanting to call Brother Hurt. Brother Malloy, I don't mean anything negative. It's, it's the first name is the same. And when you go to Oklahoma, <laughs> but it, it, it's just it, it's just the evangelist office. It, it, it's this, and, and it just resonates with me. Um, with that, we talked today about him coming back specifically uh, they do some seminars uh, workshops on gifts of the spirit and impartation this will be uh, a full Friday and Saturday this won't be uh, you're coming for Saturday morning from 9 to 12 and you're going to be gone this is going to be uh, this is going to be spiritual gift training and impartation and it's going to go from 9 a.m. Till probably 5 p.m. Uh, we'll do lunch, and, and but it's just so I, I'm, I will. We will work on the dates, and we will let you know well ahead of time. So if you want to take a day off, you can take a day off. But I promise you, by the time you leave, God is going to have ministered to you in a very deep way, and, and sometimes it takes time to really get rooted in. And, and to get deep. And, and so when we were in Africa, when I was in Uganda, we would preach from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. We would teach all day long, one after the other. And then that night, we would have a service at 7 o'clock. We did that for, I, I can't remember how many days, but it went on. And, and there was no place to go for the other preacher. So we, we sat there and just went back and forth. And, uh, and but the the change that you would see on the people of God, and the strength that would come in with with that much training and intensity. So throwing that out there, how many sound like that's something you would like to take part in? Amen, amen. So so we we will plan that. We will get that together on the best dates to give you time to make sure that you're able to be here. In the name of Jesus, let's pray. Right now. Brother London, would you come and lead us in prayer as we uh, dismiss? Thank you, my friend. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, saints. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's right. We clap for this. We clap for this. Hallelujah. Run it down in glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord loves our obedience. So when a, when a minister asks, hey, we definitely better not put our salvation to change on where we're going, our destination once we're gone. If you could all please stand as we uh, we already give an offering, but we're going to go ahead and pray for it again. And definitely we want to um, pray for the Hurd family as they move on also to their next preaching point and definitely uh, uh, for their situation. And definitely pray for all of the kingdom, hallelujah, that every church is receiving good word from these men and women who travel and come minister to us every day um, around the world. Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, we're thankful, Lord, that you have blessed us this evening, Lord, with your rainbow word, Lord. 
I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us, Lord, have taken your word, Lord, and taken it in, Lord, and ingested it, Lord. Hallelujah. And let it just give us the nutrients, Lord, spiritually, Lord. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would watch over and keep, Lord, the herd family, Lord, as they travel, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Hallelujah. At every turn, at every straightaway, Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord, for your healing hand, Lord Jesus, to touch their vehicle, Lord, and their situation, Lord. Continue to bless them. Touch them. Anoint them, Lord. Give them strength, Lord. Hallelujah. And great rest within you, Lord. We pray, Lord, for this offering this evening, Lord, that we give, Lord, with love and give thanks in honor of your holy name. We thank you. We praise you. We plead your blood. And the congregation said, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Go with God. Please do not forget all the remainder of our announcements. Remainder this week. Uh, don't forget our ladies. I think the time has already passed. Uh, for signing up, but don't forget about your event this um, this weekend right. on Saturday. God bless. Go with God.